In this episode, I meet Faber poet Will Burns, who walks an offshoot of the Grand Union Canal daily for well-being and inspiration. I also spend time with Joanna Cherry, festival director and a producer who has worked with Ruby Wax on her books and shows that deal with mindfulness. She's also a proud owner of a narrowboat, and we take a short trip of the Grand Union to discover how our waterways can help narrowboat enthusiasts like Joanna with well-being and creativity. Welcome to the Waterfront Podcast, brought to you by the Canal and River Trust and presented by the inimitable David Bramwell. I'm Joanna and I'm on a boat called Why Not? At the moment I'm continual cruising up the Grand Union but I'm at Bourne End which is near Berkhamsted in Hertfordshire in a very beautiful little space. This is my getaway, this is my, um, yeah, it's my runaway spot. I mean it is just remarkable what happens to people when they hit this water, when you get on a boat. I mean all, everyone goes on a lot about mindfulness now and and being present but that is exactly what has to happen when you can't help that happening when you're on a boat because you've always got to be focusing on some little thing that's about to happen a lock that's coming have I got the windlass where's the where's the rope did I put it back oh yeah I didn't it's like your con your active mind is all the time occupied and even as you're just going along and not in an anxious way just in a noticing way so you're very present and it's Time has a totally different relationship with me on the water. I like hours can go past, and I think I've been there for half an hour, and I'll find it's two and a half. And it, it, it really is quite magical. And I'm writing a novel about this. Well, I'm basing a novel. The, the characters end up on the canals and getting to meet other characters, because then I can write about it. Just, just the extraordinarily disparate group of people that you meet, and you meet people from every background, and they all get to know each other because they've all got their boats in common. Come through. There are a lot of um, yeah, cobwebs. Cozy bed. It's long. This is nice. I'd never even set foot on a narrow boat until I bought it. And I just thought, well, the amount of people I know who can hardly drive a car and they say <laughs> they can do it. So, But it's more, it's more a question of, actually, I think this is a baptism of fire because this is quite a long boat for a first boat. Are we biting off more than we can chew, these elderly ladies buying these, this boat? I've got so used to handling this now. Heaven, isn't it? It is heaven. I mean, we could just stop here. Look at that house, isn't that beautiful? If you're happy to talk about this, I know you, you've, you've worked recently with Ruby Wax through... Uh, through mindfulness. Through mindfulness. Yes, I wrote those... I started off ghostwriting, but actually I ended up editing she's a good writer um so she ended up doing her own stuff 
but in the process found out a lot about it. And the last book we did was with a, a Buddhist monk and um, a neuroscientist, the three together. And all I can say is, everything they bang on about, if you lived on the water, you just simply, that is mindfulness. And you think there's something about the pace as well? It is, it's everything to do with it. It's the water, and even if you're in London, in inner London, you, you are always in this curious sort of other world. It's Narnia. It is through the back of a wardrobe. No traffic noise and just birds singing. And people who've discovered the canals know this. And if you live in a city, it's a fantastic place, resource for nature, obviously. But it's also just very soothing. My guru, I met my guru when I um, got right up the Stort. The river Stort goes up to Bishop Stortford. It's a tiny, weeny, narrow little river. You can't go in a wide-beam boat, so everything's very small. And uh, I found this woman who mends boats. She lived with about 17 dogs, and they all had their own boat. Like the dogs had their own... Yeah, because she had a series of boats all moored together. There was this problem with my engine and the batteries and everything... And she and her husband just tie boats up and they mend them. And she's like a very adenoidal voice like that. So she doesn't sound like a guru at all. Everything that comes out of her mouth is just, oh my God, I've got to go and write that down. I promise you. It doesn't sound promising, but it, it's... And she looks like a little fairy. And I said to her things like, you know, do you ever, do you, ever you know, get claustrophobic living on a boat? And she'd just put her head on one side and say, you can't be in more than one place at a time, can you? So why would you be claustrophobic? Why do people need space? <laughs> oh, my God, you're so right. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some extraordinary moments of fear. One time I jumped off the boat holding the... like I did today, and left the boat in gear... So it, the boat was going on. I was trying to stop the boat, but it was the engine was still in gear. So, well, you were hanging onto the rope. Yeah, right. I was going to be water skiing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that was my vision because I wasn't going to let go. What was I going to do? The boat was just going to go. Well, of course, it would have just crashed into something, and then probably another boat, and then it would have been. And luckily, I had a friend who was just come, walking down, and he just did this running jump and jumped like Indiana Jones, just jumped off the bottom of the lock and just got onto the back of the boat he was dead because everyone clapped and he's an actor so he loved it he was so happy it made his life <laughs> now actually now that you and i have done and you just knew nothing about the lock so you were no help at all no. so now that i've done a lock with just you on board I, th I reckon i can do it now i've often watched people and you know plenty of people just on their own doing it and said how easy is it? And they go, oh, you get used to it. You get used to everything, David. That's the other thing. Well, I'm trying new things is important. I'm turning 60 in the summer and you have to just do that. You have to just completely keep trying things because otherwise there's not that much time left. Get on with it. That's what I say. Harrier. We cross the river near the place where a marsh harrier has been strung out on display with wire and a hook. By three we have left the church 
and your sister's wedding, or on the manor waste, drunk on a half bottle each of cheap scotch, watching the fishmonger chuck chips of ice over his stock, close to where your legs once buckled and you opened up your chin. That crying, it started so small, but swelled into thick, fathomless sound. I listened for the overtones in the pale and far-off peal of bells. I'm uh, Will Burns, and we're in Wendover in Buckinghamshire at the entrance to the Wendover Arm of the Grand Union Canal. I've lived here since I was 10 years old um, in Wendover, and you can hear the school in the background. I went to that school. I knew this particular section as a child, and then I've continually used it for walks and a bit of bird watching and what have you uh, ever since. To our right, we've got this expanse of water stretching off into the distance. What do you think that contributes to the, um, to the psychology of a walk? Water draws the eye in a way that perhaps you know no other element in the landscape does. But I think the canal specifically has a, a, another important function, which is that and this part of the Grand Union has never been used by boats. It was never open. The canal, as an idea, suggests different mode of travel, a different kind of um, life. And I think that when you walk a canal towpath, maybe a river path, if that river has been used commercially or for travel as well, I think it kind of talks to us about a slower way of moving through the land. Those bodies of water, rivers and canals, uh, I think they, they carry that meaning with them. To, to everybody. I think that's one of the reasons why they resonate with everybody when people are in such close proximity to them. This is one that came from the walks with my, with my grandfather and from being in this, near this stretch of the water and seeing uh, Little Grebe for the first time. And he always called them dab chicks. And so this poem sort of came out of that experience. Hunting. All the names he had for that umbral speck of a thing we saw each morning on the canal. Would the bird otherwise disappear like the chalk stream itself in high summer, all our waters left unsecured in the latest, last defence budget? I think of those green lizards I used to watch herring into holes to escape us and remember how the air seemed to move around your perfectly still head on your perch at the top of the hill before you squeezed off a shot. I could find that grassland, the rough blades still grazed back, but the butterflies would be gone. The summer was just too cold, and the sky is empty now, save for the contrails of the training jets. Uh, we're making a podcast for the Canal and River Trust. What bring, can I ask you then, what, what brings you...? Well, to be honest, it's good because for dogs it's perfect, because, especially for him, because he's a puppy, there's loads of other dog walkers and it's everyone's really friendly and also it's all flat as well so it's not too difficult for them to walk on and also especially around this time of year when the weather's nice there are different flowers out there are different animals out I'm a bit of a bird um, fan myself so seen anything today yeah I have I've seen I've seen um, three different uh, groups of ducklings further down 
and uh, oh, they're gorgeous. Well, part of the theme of this is about well-being. So, so what you're saying is that that the the canal towpath is not just for the well-being of people, but for the well-being of, of dogs as well. Definitely, yeah. Well, I'm a I'm a very big supporter of well-being, and I think sometimes you know it, people don't realise how rewarding and how um, calming it is to walk near water, to be a calm space, and also just to be out in the countryside in the fresh air. It's it's a perfect place to just kind of collect your thoughts and, and be calm, and uh, that's, that's why I like it the most. I think you're in the podcast. Can you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name's Emily, and uh, I'm a dog walker. <laughs> Joanna, Will, and Emily the dog walker are just some of the countless people who derive great benefit, peace and well-being from our waterways managed by the Canal and River Trust. Thank you for being part of our community of friends and for recognising the importance of protecting and enhancing our waterways so that everyone can experience these precious moments. We'll let Will have the last word with a dark, wintry poem. Change. A few feathers on the canal path by the cops betray the corpse. Nothing more sinister than unseasonable cold weather. The egrets and light have returned to the river, the same week as a storm from Russia. The big drifts take their time, stay unthawed on the far bank for days, discoloured by a topsoil that has blown off the fields. The white birds fly, awkward, away, upriver, always away. And I move, a violence all my own, shape back through the town, alone and shamed, a man on his worn-out, empty way. This Waterfront podcast was produced by David Bramwell with music by Oddfellows Casino. It was a Smoke Creatives production for the Canal and River Trust. If you like the Waterfront podcast, please leave a review for us on iTunes. Winding through 2,000 miles of beautiful countryside and vibrant cities, our unique network of canals and rivers offer vital havens for people and nature alike, because everyone deserves a place to escape. Visit canalrivertrust.org.uk forward slash friend to become a friend of the Trust and receive a wealth of benefits, discounts and the beautifully produced Waterfront magazine.